Hello and welcome to the C3 Sunderland podcast. We are so glad that you're here. We're believing that you will be filled with faith and encouraged by hope as you tune into this message today. Well, as Ian said already, we're going to be wrapping up our series today, which has been what uh, where your treasure is. And we've been looking over the last few weeks about what the Bible has to say about God in our financial world. And we've unpacked all kinds of different things over that time. We've looked at the um, importance of our mindset, having a biblical mindset when it comes to our money. We've talked about um, what the Bible has to say about being a good steward of what God has given us. Last week, we talked about generosity. Yes, we did. And so this week, we wanted to wrap up by talking about the relationship between faith and finance. We realize up until this point, everything we've talked about has kind of been very practical, (coughs) very very manageable. Yeah. Everyone avoid Ian after the service, hey? Uh, (laughs) You say the nicest things. (laughs) I'm just going to get a drink of water, everyone. Sure. And this week, we wanted to spend some time talking about the relationship between faith and finance. This is certainly something that has been a journey for us, which we're going to share this morning. Um, And we've got this so right at points. We've got this so wrong at points in our journey together. And um, Ian is going to take it from here if he's ready <laughs> I'm sort of um, filibustering here while you get your water ready water fantastic yes um, I'm just going to take a quick drink of water three two one sorry guys um, uh, I am now on half term so I am in full awkward weird mode um, I, I feel like uh, for seven for seven weeks like, I'm trying really hard to be normal. Um, and then, like, uh, as soon as I'm on holiday, I'm, like, just fully weirded out. Moving on. <coughs> um, as Kat said, like, um, this particular message in the series is, is something that, um, if I'm honest, um, I've kind of slightly um, approached with, like, a high degree of nerves. And a high degree of nerves because... I know precisely when we come to talk about like faith and finance, um, if there is an area where Christians have been burned or perhaps may have had a negative experience um, of finance, it is often in this area. So, um, and often the way this exhibits itself is it exhibits itself. And um, for example, maybe you have been under or part of a church whereby for example, they encouraged you to give above and beyond, um, and their way in which they encouraged you to give above and beyond basically probably lent towards some form of emotional manipulation or some form of kind of community manipulation. Everyone else is giving, why don't you? Or alternatively, some version of, you do know if you don't give into this, um, you know, like, offering that the church is running that actually like God is going to a curse you God will not be happy with you you know like all versions of this and often it's sort of said with a smile and it's said kind of in a way whereby you know we don't really mean it but we do um so and I want to kind of acknowledge that up ahead because I think it's really important for us to understand that 
when it comes to faith and finance, um, actually, this is kind of an area whereby I think people um, eager to try and help people actually get on this journey of like coming to a faith with their money. Actually, I think it's one of those areas whereby um, the church worldwide, um, certain aspects of the church have definitely kind of, I would say, misused, mistaught and abused this area. And sometimes, therefore, the consequence has been is that people have felt either completely turned off by money. In other words, as soon as anyone mentions the word money in church, they automatically freeze, they close the door, and they're like, I don't want to hear another word because I know what people have said about money before, and it was manipulative, and it was wrong, and I don't want to be a part of that culture. And, And I kind of want to sort of start here to sort of say, look, if that has been your experience... Um, of any church in the past Um, I really want to start from a point of view saying like I'm like I apologize like on their behalf that you have had this experience because that is not God's vision that is not God's design for how we are supposed to approach him in terms of faith and finance it shouldn't be it shouldn't be manipulation it shouldn't be that sense of guilt like Faith and finance is always supposed to be a joy. Um, And um, I kind of want to sort of say as well that maybe that has left you with some kind of like unanswered questions. Maybe, for example, um, you and um, you stepped out in faith in finances and it felt like God hasn't come through for you. And you're like a bit confused. You're like, well, they said that if I stepped out in faith, I would experience this. But actually, that's not what I've seen. And you might have some questions. And so I kind of want to sort of say, um, as we go kind of like um, into this, I want to say that I believe that today's message is for you. I believe that today God wants to bring some clarity around like, well, what do we mean when we talk in the church about faith and finance? What is biblical? What is manipulation? All of those kinds of things. Um, And um, I also want to sort of say, as Kat's kind of like preempted, that like even personally, we get it. And here's the reason we get it, because we've been there. We have been in moments whereby I think in retrospect, I would look at kind of the way in which we were encouraged to give um, in the past. And I would say it definitely verged towards... um, some kind of prosperity gospel vision. In other words, if you give massive towards God, God will massively give towards you. And it was almost given as kind of like an, a simple equation. You do this, God will do this. Um, and so we kind of, we have experienced like the burn of that. Um, and I want to, as I say, start there because I want to make a really important point. And the important point that I want to communicate at this moment is this, that the truth of God and who he is, and money has not failed. Even if you are somebody this morning who comes where you have a story where it feels like God has failed in terms of finances in your personal world, I believe that the principles about money, I believe that actually what God teaches about how we are supposed to approach money as his children, those truths, those promises have not failed. They are still true. Everything that we have learned over this series is still true. And just to kind of like remind you, here's some of the stuff that we've learned. God is good. 
God is our source. Money is always an invitation into radical trust in the person of God, our Father. It's no accident that the Bible refers to him as Father. Father, the one who is the source, the one who is the provision. And I believe that as we've looked at this series, you know, what else have we learned? We've learned that God is leading us into a place where we understand that money is to extend the kingdom of God first. And then the rest is added to us. You know, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else gets added first. In other words, actually the way in which we need to approach money is we need to understand that money is about extending something. And it's not about extending yours and my pocket. It's about extending the kingdom of God first. And then God will actually add into it, out of his overflow, out of his bounty, everything else that we require. Um, that generosity is something that we can grow in and live out and that the church is called to make steps of faith when it comes to money and every single one of us here and this is what is biblically true every single one of us here is called to experience and to see God's miraculous provision now that may be for us personally or it may be for us in a community but I think one of the things that the Bible also demonstrates is that, that the miraculous provision of God is something that happens, as it were, like miracles by their very nature are supposed to be infrequent. This also means that sometimes we're going to go through moments where financially things look really, really tight. But actually, it's in those moments that God is actually seeding something. He's seeding that radical trust in him so that we know, God, you've got this. God, you are my provider. <coughs> and I believe that God wants us to be wise with money, obviously. I believe he wants us to be generous. I believe he wants us to see money the way that Jesus does. But I also believe that there are things in the future of this church, and now I'm speaking very specifically, not church worldwide here. I believe that there are things that God is calling us to as a church, and those things are going to require finance that we simply do not have. And when I mean that, I mean, we look at the balance sheet and we go, there's not enough money for that ministry. There's not enough money for that building. But then I believe that when that happens, I believe that God will give us a word as a church community. And then it's on that word that we need to step forward and we need to actually engage our faith. Um, and as I was looking into this and I was thinking about this, um, I came across a passage which you will be very familiar with. Because I believe that today's teaching is to show us all that we can grow in faith for our finances and what that may look like. And I think this is going to give some of you, um, today I believe that for some of you this is going to be closure on a bit of a confusing chapter when it comes to money. But I also believe that for many of us in the room, it is going to ignite something on the inside of you to believe God to do something with your finances, no matter what your financial story has been. Because here's the truth. You know, Christianity is built on faith. Faith is a belief in the fact that God is who he says he is and that God will do what he says he will do. Faith always comes before we actually see first. We see with the eyes of faith first before we actually see anything in our world. That's the way that faith always works. You have to get a spiritual vision of it first before you see it in reality. And, and I believe that 
that today God is going to give some of you a spiritual vision for your finances, which is going to lift it out of kind of like where you are right now, which is that you are kind of like tied to good, wise, biblical principles with your money, but there's not faith there. There's not a belief. Now, I say this not as an expert. I say this as this is an area I feel God has been challenging us on personally. And it's been saying, Ian Cat, it's time for you to believe for finances that are beyond the realms of being wise stewards, tithing faithfully. I want to open the windows of heaven like it talks about in Malachi and I want you and when I feel like when God's been speaking to me it's not just us you as in a church I want you to experience a fullness of financial provision that is based on the reality of heaven not just the reality of this economic system that we find ourselves in so I want to turn us to Luke 5, verses 1 to 10. Do you want to read that? Yeah, sure. Um, Brilliant. So we're reading from Luke 5, verses 1 to 10. Um, A bit of a different translation today. This is the New Testament for everyone. And this is what it says. One day, as the crowds were pressing close to him to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Gennesaret. He saw two boats moored by the land. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, it was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. Then he sat down in the boat and began to teach the crowd. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deeper part and let down your nets for a catch. Master, replied Simon, we were working hard all night and caught nothing at all. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did so, they caught such a huge number of fish that their nets began to break. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. So they came and filled both the boats and they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. Leave me alone, Lord, he said. I am a sinner. He and his companions were gripped with amazement at the catch of fish they had taken. This included James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Don't be afraid, Jesus said to Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. Fantastic. Well, what a piece of scripture. And I want to kind of like spend some time, we're going to spend some time together kind of like unpacking this particular um, piece of scripture because I think it actually has some excellent wisdom for us um, in terms of how faith works, the way in which faith is tested and how we can persevere in our faith and see God actually do something miraculous. And so there's some excellent wisdom here in terms of our finances as well. I'm fully aware of the fact that this is um, the moment whereby Simon Peter is called to follow Jesus. But I find it fascinating that the call of Simon Peter involves faith. Just like every single thing. Every single moment in our walk of faith as Christians. And I want you to really hear this. That when it comes to your money, um, every single time it involves faith. So, let's have a look. 
Number one, faith begins with a word from Jesus. I think the first thing this story shows us about our finances is that when it comes to faith and finances, that faith begins with a word from Jesus. If we look at verse four again, it says this, Jesus said to Simon, put out into the deeper part and let down your nets for a catch. Now, in this exchange between Jesus and Simon Peter, um, which we see here, we see that Jesus is the initiator. It's Jesus who speaks to Simon, and it's Jesus who calls him to do something. Jesus' words are the ones that initiate every single part of the actions of the disciples, as they will later be called. And the same is true when it comes to our finances. You see, God, I believe, speaks to us about our finances as well as other aspects of our faith. And to begin with, God asks us to get a vision of money that actually reflects Jesus' vision of money. And he calls us to organise our money and based on his vision of money, not based on the world's vision of money. He calls us to look at his system of how money is supposed to work and apply our faith to actually putting that into action. He calls us to his pathway of stewardship and his heart of generosity. Now, it's important to understand that each one of these moments is a step of faith. So, for example, it requires faith to hear the words that say, decide to give your tithe. That requires faith faith because here's what you're doing on any kind of logical system when you look at your budget most people when they think about giving 10% of their monthly income to God most people's first reaction is have you seen my budget it don't work (laughs) and therefore it requires faith it requires faith for us to go okay God I'm going to have a look at my budget again and I'm actually going to look at what is it I actually need to spend money on and where can I make space to bring my tithe into God's house. That is a step of faith. Because you are believing that once you organise your finances in that way, that God is able to use the 90% that is left and actually that that 90% will go further than the 100% If you had actually, now you and I know mathematically, I am not a mathematical, I'm not like a mathematical person necessarily, but I know, even I know about maths that like 100% is more than 90%. I'm fully aware of that. But here's the thing I know, whoa, (laughs) you're amazed by my mathematical ability. But here's the important point. The important point is, is that it requires faith to believe God that the 90% is actually going to go the distance. Because, but the thing is that when we actually put our faith in action, then we get to experience that God's word is faithful. If we don't put it into action, we never know whether God is actually faithful or not. We just have our ideas. Again, it requires faith to say, okay, I'm going to steward my finances not according to the culture around me that says you should have this, have this, have this, spend here, spend there, spend whatever. You deserve it. You should have it. It actually requires faith to go, do you know what? I'm going to decide to budget and to organize my finances based on the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of this world. Mm. And similarly, you know, it requires 
faith to actually be generous. Because again, if you imagine it, if you are being generous, what are you doing? You are giving money away without any guarantee that you are going to get any money back. That's generosity. If it's not that, then it's not generosity. It's just a quid pro quo. Well, when I went to their house last, they bought me a £10 gift, so I'm going to buy an £11 gift. There you go. And then, you know, like, like that's not generosity. That's like, how can I, in competition, give a better gift than they gave me? But generosity is, is I'm going to give out of the greater measure that I have so that you may be blessed. And for no other reason than I love to bless you. That's it. And what I've discovered is that every single one of those steps requires faith. And similarly, God calls, if you've got all of those steps organized, let me help you. At some point, God is going to turn up and he's going to say, now it's time for you to discover a new thing about finance. And you're going to be like, Because, but then it, but then here's the thing, you've then got the story. Well, actually, I put my tithe into action and I've seen God be faithful. Actually, I've decided to organize my finances based on God's wisdom, not the world's wisdom. And I've seen, actually, the way in which that has blessed my finances. God, I've started to be generous. And God, I'm seeing the way in which you're blessing me. Now, I want to be really clear here remember the blessing may not always be financial you may give in generosity and never ever 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 see any financial comeback from that but let me tell you you will live more blessed yeah you will live more blessed because what has been broken there is the spirit of worry that is on money mm. and we know that spirit of worry is on money because in week one we looked at matthew 6 and it's really interesting when jesus teaches about money when Jesus teaches about money, what does it lead into straight away? It leads into a teaching about do not worry. And you feel like when you read that, like incorrectly, you think that's jarring. Jesus, are you changing tack? No, he's not. Jesus is saying, here's how you need to live. Here's how you need to organize your money. Money, is, either money is your master or Jesus is. Those are your options. And then Jesus goes on to say, and here's what happens when money's your master. When money's your master, you worry about tomorrow. You worry about today. You worry about having enough. And what Jesus is saying is saying, no, as my followers, I want you to live radically differently. I want you to live where money does not have a spirit of worry on it for you. Because you have broken the spirit of worry by organizing your finances the way that I have asked you to. <coughs> yep we need to speed up um, now hey. thanks <laughs> um, now as I was saying now Kat and I have kind of like recently experienced this this moment where we kind of feel like God is asking us to become people who invest in the kingdom of God where God is asking us and there's been different times where God has asked us to do that where God has sort of said look I want you to invest in the kingdom of God I want you to invest money and this is, this is going above generosity. This is actually going, and this is things like vision builders, where you're actually going, okay, God, I want to give above and beyond because I want to give into the extension of the kingdom of God. And what we see in this passage is we see that in the same way 
that Jesus speaks to Simon Peter and he says, put your nets out, go out into the deeper part. It's, faith is always like that. God will call us to go out into the deeper part. God will call us to go out beyond the place that we know, go beyond the place that is familiar with us. And I believe that, that right now God is challenging us as a church to get a bigger vision because I know so often when it comes to faith and finances, one of the things that it's so easy to get kind of sucked down the trap of is talking about our own personal financial world. But I believe that in this moment, what God is actually speaking and what God is actually calling us into and challenging us into as a church body is it's time for us to actually get faith to see God miraculously work in finances, not just in our own personal worlds. We have seen people get jobs in this church because we have prayed for them to get jobs. But I believe that we are now entering into a season where God is actually calling us into something more. We've seen people get promotions in this church because we have prayed for their promotions. But I believe that Jesus is actually calling us to a place where by healing, he's calling us into a place of faith with our finances. This is what God's been speaking to me about. He says, Ian, maybe it's time for you to believe for a church building, which is just crazy good, and is way beyond any of your ability as a church to afford. Like there's part of me that kind of like, I've got a dream in my heart of a particular church building um, that I really, really would like us to be able to buy. Um, but let's just say it's, it's at, least, at least a couple of million quid outside of <coughs> anything that we can afford. Um, but you know, like, I kind of like, yes, yeah, a couple of million quid out of what we can afford, Jesus. But what if God actually walked us into a moment as a, as, as a church whereby we saw um, an expansion in terms of our own personal world? What if a spirit of poverty, which is definitely on the city of Sunderland, as Sunderland is beginning to expand and move into a more business community, what if actually it was part of God's plan for us as a church to actually be part of a forerunning group of people who break a spirit of poverty that is over this church and it's not just that we actually begin to see expansion in our own personal world but we actually get a vision of money whereby we believe that we are conduits for the for the the resource of heaven and that we want to be people who have a heart of Jesus and that we are so connected to getting a heart for money that is so that we can be a a conduit through which money can actually flow into the kingdom of God, that God will begin to open some kind of window of financial blessing, not so much for us, but so that the church of Jesus Christ can expand and grow and the visions and the ideas and the ministries that we have in our hearts to see happen actually get funded, not because we're looking towards the government and, and some kind of like council funding or some kind of arts council funding to be able to enable us to do these kinds of things. But actually, we make divine connections with groups who are just like, it sounds like a great idea what you're doing. We just want to give you the money. Um, Katz shared um, beforehand um, about an idea of like, what if we turn this space into kind of a creative hub whereby we could get people and we could have like, you know, like 12 iMacs and we actually teach kids how to use Photoshop and all the rest of this kind of stuff. Like... Apparently, um, like Facebook are really keen on doing sort of like community sort of stuff. And rather than us having to go to the council with like a begging bowl, begging bowl, go to Facebook and they say, this sounds like a great idea. We just want to give you tons of money to make it happen. And you're like, awesome. Yeah, I'm absolutely in favor of that. You know, and perhaps it's time 
like I say, not for us just to believe for personal jobs or promotions, though those are excellent, but the church to grow and a spirit of generosity to be released in this place, whereby our first instinct when it comes to money is not suspicion and cautiousness. Our instinct when it comes to money is, God, may you use me to be a conduit so that the kingdom of God may be extended. Now, I say all of that, and I have an important caveat to say here. I said that faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. So you'll notice it's Jesus who speaks to Peter here. I think this is why it's so important for us to become a people who we are confident about hearing Jesus. Because where I have made missteps in this area before, it's where I have believed in sincerity that God has spoken to me about finances and about doing something with my finances. And if I'd had some more wise people around me, they would have very clearly said to me, Ian, you are acting out of emotional excitement, not a word from God. And there's a difference. So to kind of give you um, a wonderful example, which you can both laugh at and... um, understand how ridiculous I am. Um, in 2007, I remember um, like hearing from God that, and it, it felt to me like God was saying, oh, you need to give big in this year's Vision Builders. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, amazing God, yeah. I've got a figure in my mind like it was five figures. Um, but here's the thing. I had done zero planning for how to, how to give this five figures. I'm a teacher, so bonuses aren't really a thing. (laughs) Although, guys, if you want to pray for that, I would love to see a bonus culture um, in in education at the end of every single year. Um, So, like, because some people are like, oh, I want to give £5,000, for example, and they know that around Christmas time, there's a good chance they're going to get, like, an end-of-year bonus. That does not happen in education. So I didn't have any money saved up, largely, um, I didn't have any kind of like idea that there would be a bonus coming. Um, I didn't have the money in the bank, but I had this idea of like giving um, like a five-sum figure. And so I decided in my own personal wisdom, I know what I'll do. I've got a really low mortgage on my house and I'm paying it off really diligently and really well. I know what I should do. I should remortgage the house and take out the five-figure sum from there. Now, who here knows that as as far as financial decisions go, that is unwise. I am increasing my debt so that I can give towards God. Now, don't get me wrong. I think God in his grace has honored the spirit of my gift. But the financial wisdom of the gift was entirely absent. And if I'd had somebody there to say, Ian, that's really unwise. And I say that to say that Sometimes we need to understand that sometimes you may feel like you've heard from God about giving, but there also needs to be some wisdom, there needs to be some accountability, there need to be people around you who actually are saying, yep, I think you're you're hearing from God. Because God is not going to move on a word that wasn't from him. Just because we felt a word doesn't necessarily mean it was a word from God. And so it's really important that as, as people, this is why it's so important for us to like do the daily thing of like reading our Bibles. Because it teaches us to hear his voice and to know his 
voice. So yeah, awesome. Amazing. Cool. Well, point number one was we want to hear from Jesus. And point number two is faith needs a response. Let's just go back to the story for a second. In verse five, um, Simon replies to Jesus. Master, replied Simon, we were working hard all night and caught nothing at all. And then he has a change mid-sentence and says, but if you say so, I will let down the nets. And what the story shows us really clearly is that faith requires a response. Faith is referred to elsewhere in the Bible um, as being confident of what we do not yet see and certain of what we hope for. Yeah. Um, also, elsewhere in John 12, 24, it's referred to as a seed. Jesus says this, Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And, you know, what the Bible really clearly teaches us is faith isn't just about holding something in our hands. Faith is about letting it go and and in response to God, doing something about it. And Jesus gives us the seed of faith. But then what we're invited into in a life of Christ is a life of partnership, yeah. A life of response, a life of walking hand in hand with Jesus. He puts the seed in our hand and we let it fall to the ground. Imagine if Simon had heard Jesus' words but then done nothing about it. And he wouldn't have seen his miracle. No. And our finances show us this as well. Um, like if God has spoken to us, there will be a step of response that is required. It might be fasting, it might be seeking God, it might be letting that thing go that's in our hands. It might be speaking with someone else. Um, but it's about that taking the step. I'm reminded of um, in Second Kings chapter 4 in El- when Elisha, um, there's a woman who's at the end of everything that she has. Yeah. Her husband's just died. And she goes to the prophet and says, can you help me? And his question back to her is such an audacious question, is what do you have in your house? What is currently, even in your lack, even in your need, what is in your hand? And the amazing thing about that is that we're invited into a life of partnership with God. We're not just just his children receiving good things because we're his kids. But in as much as we want a parent, Ezra, to be like, you are, ha- you are receiving this gift because I love you. We also want to do things that bring the best out of him. And that actually, you know, we have an authentic parent-child relationship, not just like a, a vending machine <laughs> moment. And I think it's the same with God. He invites us into yeah. some areas, like you say, the miracles are just going to come. But yeah. more often than not, it's this life of response. And then because of that, the third point today, sort of in the last five minutes. Yes, the third point mm. today. And this one I think is really, really crucial. So, like, put a big underlining thing around it. Faith will be tested. Now, this is a particular point that I really want to make because um, it's an area where I realise that so often this is an area that I have failed in 
when it comes to like personal finances and when it comes to faith and finance. And I share that openly because I do really want you to catch our heart this morning. This is not like I know the biblical wisdom on this, but this is not an area that I feel like as a couple we fully moved into yet. But I feel like it is something that God is beginning to stir in our hearts once again. This sense of I want you to get faith for. I want you to get faith for. Anyways, I want you to get faith for more. Not more for us, but more in terms of God being able to use us more abundantly and to allow finances to flow through us because we have the right heart, because we're actually stewarding, and because our mindset about money is right. And I share this particular one with you um, because it's an area whereby like, I, re- I feel like if I had known this, that faith would be tested in this way in my finances, I think it would have saved me so much confusion and so many questions. You see, I remember stepping out on, like, tithing. You know, I'd heard people at church talk about it enough, and I sensed that, that, that God was speaking to me, and I spoke to other people who were wiser than I was as a Christian, and they said, no, this is God speaking to you. You, God is, God is inviting you into trusting him by setting aside 10% of your income to him. I went home, I did the sums, I worked out I couldn't afford it. Quite common. And then I looked again and I was like, right, okay. I can afford it, but I need to get rid of these luxuries that I currently have. So I got rid of the luxuries Um, And then I started tithing. And I was really excited and expecting. And then in the first six months of tithing, um, it felt like the wheels of my financial world um, did a 180 and fell apart. Like there were unexpected bills that came up. My boiler died, um, you know, in my house. Like I'm like, I'm like, Jesus, what? (laughs) Are you even kidding me? I mean, that's the polite version. It was probably a little bit more forceful than that. Um, you know, how long, how long, Lord, will you abandon me? You know, like, I love a good psalm at that point. You know, like, when, when things are going really badly, you know, you pull out one of those psalms and, like, going, my whole life is literally falling apart, you know. And, and that's exactly what it felt like. Um, but here's the thing. And I felt tempted to quit. But I didn't. And... You know, I realize now, I didn't know it then, but I realize now that what was happening was my faith was being tested. Because here's the thing. There is a spirit sometimes around money that is not godly. There is a greed that attaches itself to money. Like in the Bible, it talks about this. It calls it the spirit of mammon. And the spirit of mammon is basically... The spirit of greed that is on mon- that can get on money, whereby it is about the accumulation of money with no desire to share it with anyone. And that actually a lot of the way in which we have been raised and in the culture that we are surrounded by, we are encouraged to partner with and to submit ourselves to that spirit of money. Greed, more, 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 more. You must have more. You must have more. You must have more. If you have more money, then you will be more happy. If you have more money, then you will be able to achieve that thing that you really long for. 
And actually the Bible talks about this and it's, and it's, it talks about like this, this view of money. As, it's this consumptive view of money whereby actually as we use money to consume things, we are actually ourselves being consumed. And when we decide to step into like God's vision of money, there is something that kicks off spiritually. And you need to understand that that you are actually waging war against a spirit. And it's a spirit of greed and consumerism that is in the West, when, where we live, that is attached to money. And what is happening in that moment is, is that Jesus is actually breaking that control of money over you and over how you see money and over what you use money for. I love what Nicky Gumbel says this. He says this, um, he's the um, creator of the Alpha Course and also the ex-vicar of HTB. He says this, a faith that has not be, been tested cannot be trusted. That it's only when it's been tested that we know that God can be trusted. But we have to allow him to test it. And we have to be willing to stick in. So I don't know where you're at with money. But if you are in a place like this where you feel like I'm making steps in my money, but God, oh God, I want to make steps in my financial world, but I'm afraid. Or you have made that step, and much like I experienced, it feels like the wheels have come off. I want to encourage you two things you can do. Number one, stay the course. Don't quit. And number two, pray. God has given you the ability to pray in authority and in power. And he says that when you pray, you, have the, you are entering the throne room of God. Now, I don't know about you, although the devil will try and say that he is more powerful, actually, God is the authority in the world. And when we engage in prayer with God and we say, God, I want to remind you of what you have promised. God, I want to remind you of what you say about money. God will actually... Be faithful and you will discover that God is able to turn things around. In my own personal circumstances, that six, first six months was like I say, it was like a train wreck. But like over time, we overestimate what God is going to do in the short term. We believe that somehow God should magically magic our finances into financial freedom and joy and wonderfulness within God, if you can just do it within a six to eight week period, a bit like I've seen on my health fitness app, that'd be lovely. And if I can get a badge with it as well, that'd be super awesome. Like, like we need to understand that God is trying to develop perseverance in us. Perseverance means that six to eight weeks, no way. You're not going to see six to eight weeks. God is going to show you his faithfulness over years because what God is committed to is God is committed to you at 42, 62, 72, whatever it is. God is committed to you being free of money in that place whereby you not only know how to wisely steward your money, you have been a faithful giver all of your life. The heart of generosity that you have when it comes to money is so incredible incredibly large that people around you feel so blessed being around you because you are the kind of person who is generous on every single occasion and that more than that you have a vision for money whereby you sort of say I see every single one of my every single one of those pounds in my hands is a seed of investment and I'm going to invest it 
um, you know, in things. I'm going to invest it in the stock market. I'm going to invest it in houses. I'm going to invest it in businesses. I'm going to invest it in like some creative industry and getting that off the ground. Because I believe that what you have placed in my hand, God, is seed so that I can actually bring the kingdom of God to earth. And the way in which the kingdom of God comes in this particular, this side of heaven, money is a massive part of that. And rather than us pretending that money isn't a thing, what God is asking us to do is God is asking us, will you use money so that I can flow through it to extend the kingdom of God? And that is going to be tested time and time and time again. But let me encourage you, the other side of the testing will come a conviction that God can be trusted. And that is the aim of your faith being tested that you would know that he is faithful. Not that you heard it through someone else, not that it was an amazing testimony that somebody else saw God come through, but you know it because it happened to you. I believe that God is saying to us, it is time for us as a Christian community to stop living off secondhand faith. Mm. And it's time for us to engage our faith where we are right now, whatever that looks like, and decide I'm going to put you God to the test because this is the one area in our in our whole experience where God says put me to the test test me in this awesome (laughs) amazing just to wrap up in the last couple of minutes um I've just got one more thing I want to say about faith around finance and then we would love to just pray Mm. um Yeah. The fourth thing is this. Faith always has fruit beyond you. Jesus says to Simon when the the huge catch of fish has been brought in. And Simon has this moment where he's like, oh, man, I've got this so wrong. I'm a sinful man. Get away from me, Jesus. I don't deserve to be in your presence. And Jesus says to him in response, do not be afraid From now on, you'll be catching people. (coughs) And what this story shows us is that Simon's response, the the pattern is, you're welcome. (laughs) The pattern is Jesus speaks, Simon responds, Jesus moves. And then what we see is that Simon's then released into something where the fruit of his life is going to be, on, be beyond the borders of his own world and impact the world around him. I think very often where we've fallen into traps when we've been talking about faith and finances, we have our personal finances in mind. And what Jesus invites us into is a life where we are expecting fruit way beyond the borders of just what's in our hands. But we're actually thinking towards the eternal impact that what we are doing right now is having. To come all the way back to where we started this series in Matthew, where Jesus says, do not store up for yourself treasures on this world but store up for yourself treasures in heaven for wherever your treasure is there your heart will be also and our heart through this whole series we've wanted to talk practical we've wanted to share some of our journey of the missteps that we have made (laughs) along the way the misconceptions that we've had but our whole heart through this series has been to lift our eyes as a community to set our minds, to set our hearts, to set our treasure on the kingdom of 
heaven. We know that in our own strength, in our own efforts, in our own understanding, what we have in our hearts to see come to pass for the city of Sunderland is impossible. But as we set our hearts and minds on the kingdom of God, we realize that God is calling us not just to live a life that is blessed for our own sake, not just called to live a life that's blessed for our children's sake, but is, that is blessed for our city's sake, yeah. for the world around us. And I am constantly challenged by God. It's so easy to just let our lives shrink in on themselves. Mm. It's so easy to let our circumstances limit us to the borders of our own life. But God is, what God is calling us to is to live a life of fruit that is beyond us. And our sincere prayer through this whole series, I know we said we, we were slowing down to talk about this. The truth is we could probably do another four weeks absolutely, just on this topic, but we feel like it's time to move on. But what we hope that this has sparked is healthy conversation, mm. um, greater understanding, greater desire to pursue the things of God in our financial world. And we are really excited about what God wants to do in and through us as we partner with him with our whole lives. And so I think to wrap up, we, we want to pray. We do. You want to say something else? Yeah, I do. Let the record show. <laughs> Sorry, um, I've just had this um, picture like um, all day, actually. Um, and so I've just kind of like been sitting on it. Um, but it's from Acts 12. And it's where Peter miraculously escapes from prison. Sorry, I'm just making sure. Beep, 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 beep. Um, and it starts here. It starts um, Acts 12, verse 6. It says, The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and say, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was really, sorry, it was actually happening. And then he passes the, the, he passes the uh, guards and he goes, Peter finally came to his senses, this is verse 11. It's really true. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. Um, now, you're probably wondering, what the heck does that have to do with finances? Um, like, it's just been on my heart, like, I think all the way through this series, that I think for some of us, there are mindsets which we're kind of trapped in. Um, and there are places where we're trapped in in terms of, like, money. And I do kind of feel like part of our heartbeat of this series and part of the thing that's been sort of, like, like spiritually that I feel like God's been speaking to me is, is it's time to set people free. Like, and so we bring this series with a heart of sort of saying, look, we're not trying to... I mean, I hope you've kind of, like, heard enough of our catalogue of chaos, I think, when it comes to... Um, finances that kind of show you, you know, we've had a journey with finance as well, but we are now in a position where our finances are the best that they have ever been and that we have actually taken control over our financial world. We've begun to organize things according to, like, the, the Bible's framework 
And I cannot begin to tell you um, how much that has freed us from worry and anxiety about money and how that has created space in our hearts for greater generosity and joy. And we bring this series because I don't want anyone to have to live in the prison of financial worry because it is a prison and it is not what God has for you. And I believe that some of you here feel like you need to do some kind of like big thing and like then God will somehow bless you with finances. It's often not like that. It's often much more like God's just sort of saying, will you give me your heart? Will you give me your trust? And will you begin to make steps in accordance with what I say? And then once you've made that step of faith, it's at that point that it begins to feel like you're leaving the prison. It may only be, like I say, six months later after your financial world seems to have gone through catastrophe, that you suddenly find yourself, no, actually, I've walked out of a prison and I'm more free than I've ever been. And so, like, yeah, let's pray. But I want to pray for that specifically. And then I want to pray for some people, like, that God would speak to you very specifically and give you a vision for finance, not just about finance, but for it. Do you want to pray for that? And then I'll pray for prisons. Cool. Wow. Awesome. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we just thank you so much for your loving presence in our mm. lives. We thank you that you want to be involved in every single intricate detail. Um, Lord, you want to be involved in our big decisions. You want to be involved in our day-to-day. Lord, you want our hearts. You want our minds. You want our whole lives because they've been bought with the blood yeah, of Jesus Christ. And right now, Lord, we just surrender um, our financial world to you. Lord, we just lay it at your feet and ask for your wisdom, your leading, your guiding. Lord, I pray right now for, um, I believe for every single person in this room, there will be one thing that you, you sense the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart to do in response to this. And Lord, I just ask for clarity and courage Mm. to step out on the adventure that is living financially according to your word, according to your ways. And yeah, Lord, we pray and prophesy testimonies Mm. of incredible um, miracles, incredible provision. (coughs) And even in the simple day-to-day, God, that those stories are just as important and powerful. We pray that you would... Um, equip us as a expression of your body Jesus here in Sunderland to hold our financial world in your ways so that we can see the kingdom of God come in our time and place in Jesus name amen yeah and God we pray for anybody who who today finds himself and it feels like they're in a financial prison Mm. Lord God, we pray over kind of like the depression that comes with that and that sense that this is the way that life is always going to be. And God, we declare quite clearly that, Father God, that today is the day to leave the prison. That today, Father God, that you are doing something brand new. That, Lord God, you are opening a supernatural door that no man can shut. And that, Father God, that you are walking them out as they respond to your word. Just like the angel said to Peter, he said, get up, you know, and the chains fell off immediately. Lord, 
God, I pray that as people hear this call to and respond to your vision of finances, Father God, that as people respond to that, Lord God, it will be like people getting up and chains coming off. That, Father God, a brand new spirit of faith will come upon them when it comes towards their finances. That, Father God, that you would release generosity over your church and over every single person who is part of this body of Christ. Lord God, may you strengthen each and every one of us in this area and lead us into greater freedom that we can experience in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you'd like to know more, visit our website at c3sunderland.church or follow us on Instagram at c3sunderland. We'll see you next time.